And welcome on into a new venture here for Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Andy Hanselman. And Andy, wait a minute, wait a minute, yes. wait a minute. Yes, Andy, it's, it's it's a new venture of the show, and I'm like your permanent co-host, and the show is still called Weekend Joe. You're yeah, an ass. You know, you know what it is? It's um, <laughs> what, what it is, Andy. I feel like I, I look at it. As if, like, I'm Conan O'Brien and you're Andy Richter and the show is still called Conan. All right. So that's 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 the way you're just sitting there. You're hanging out on the couch and you're just hanging out there as we do this radio venture or I should say media venture now exclusively on Klabe's online. We're not going to get into the details of anything. Um, no, I, I, there's nothing. No, there, there's no hard feelings over it. A lot of people have lost uh, lost jobs or have been temporarily laid off. And you know what? When when sports start back up, we'll see what there is for me um, at a uh, radio station here in town. But right now, um, I, I've you know talked about it the last few weeks. I've been doing some work with Mike Claiborne. We have a lot of other work that we have planned, a lot of other ideas that we have uh, we've been planning. And quite frankly, I mean, outside of the fact that I'm excited about some of the stuff that we are working on with Claibs Online, and I'm excited about the ideas that we had before the baseball season was postponed. Right. I'm mostly excited about the fact, Andy, that it's giving me something to do every day. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. And that's got to be a nice thing because you're also not working at your at your regular job because it's also closed because of the stupid thing. Yeah, exactly. The, the gym, the gym is closed. Uh, it's you know, there there are a lot of there are a lot of people who are struggling right now. I am not going to sit here and complain about anything that has happened in any of my walks of life right now yeah. with with the jobs. And, you know, it's that's the, the starting with doing the, the this day in Cardinal history. You know, we talked about it last week with, Which Polo. Is great, by the way, you do you do a fantastic job on it. I'm not Thank just kissing your ass. You know, I wouldn't just kiss your ass. You did a fantastic job on it. What I really, the one I liked, we had Rick Horton uh, do one the other day, April fifth, April seventh. Uh, Rick Horton did his uh, the major league debut with the Cardinals, and he went on for about five minutes just talking and telling a story about his uh, his first game with the Cardinals and kind of talked about his career with the Cardinals briefly. And we had Horton to record a few other ones. I know starting in May we're going to have even more voices come through. So. I will, uh, I you know, I'm looking very much looking forward to some of the other things that we have coming up with uh, with that and and I think you're, look, you're I think you're looking most forward to your podcast with Polo Asensio, the 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 uh, the Latin broadcaster for the Cardinals. You know, the whole reason the reason I am most excited about that one is just Wrestling. because that means no, that means baseball will be back. That's true. That's, that's what I'm excited about with Polo is that when he and I start working together, that he and I will uh, that he and I will be talking about Cardinal baseball games that are going to be played on the field. So that's what I'm most excited about when it comes to working with Polo. And when uh, when that day comes, I'm excited about it. I've already so I mean, all the sponsors, all of my sponsors are still still with us here, as you, we heard at the beginning of the show. Wait, wait, you, you, you told them that we're going to only be online and they stuck with us. Yeah, and you know what? Wow. I, with the old with the old show, Andy, we were never available in podcast form. So you either heard us live or you didn't hear us at all. And right. it was something that I wanted to get on the website for the last year, and it never happened. Right now, I mean, this is going to be launched for the first time at 10 a.m. on a Saturday. 
and people will be able to listen to it at 2 p.m. on Saturday, at 5 p.m. on Saturday, all day Sunday, and it's going to be up there forever, so people have, will be able to go through and, and listen to that. So I have, I, two, think, I have two questions yeah. about this. Yes. Uh, one, how are people going to sell things? You know, if, if, if the yard sale's taped, and how people are going to sell things. That's no, no, that's not our show. We're we're not. This is weekend, Joe. We're um we're local great sport. Oh, yeah, it's live. Right. That was that was it's my next local, question. What yeah, is it's it? just, it's so local live and, great sports. Live and talk. local great sports talk is is yeah. really is is awesome. I it, I know we joke about it and it's just kind of a fun thing to say, but I think it's really a good tagline because I think it's important to people that they know who they're listening to. Is are actually two guys from the area who uh, you know who who live and breathe all this stuff and you have, and the, so it's not live and local. It's, I mean, it's, it's still live to tape. We, we're not really, I don't, right. I mean, when I record stuff with this, I don't edit anything out. Um, unless you tell me to right. <laughs> say yeah, something I, that I shouldn't say, right. but, uh, in, in general, it's live to tape and, you know, and local great sports talk. Yeah, and within I, you know, within a half an hour of receiving the news from the radio station, Mike Claiborne wanted to know if we could make this show live on the website. Yeah, and I've told him that's something that we can do. But right now, with no sports going on, no breaking sports news, nothing of of great interest that we can just post it on on the website at Saturday mornings. And we could just load it up with a lot of content. And that's what we've done today. As I said, we, we have all the sponsors still with us. Munganass, uh, St. Louis Acura. Jamie there is is on board with this. And Jamie and I, I gotta, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a story because I, I talked to Jamie a few times this week. Yeah. Uh, but they're on board. Collinsville Auto Body, Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker, Corey and Skip, Glory Pro Wrestling. They're they're all on board with the with the show being here on Klabes Online. And they were probably going to be on board with it anyway with some of the other stuff we were doing so this sure. is just this is just jump starting some of the uh, ideas that we had to do with that so mike claiborne will be on the show today you will also uh you'll hear jay randolph jr because this is supposed to be masters weekend it was supposed to be masters weekend it's not masters weekend andy i know you're really upset about not getting to watch the masters this weekend uh we have matt snyder on to talk baseball oh. and then and then Conrad Thompson, a friend of mine who I know will bring clicks to the website. Uh, and uh, he and I just talk about the world of wrestling uh, amongst uh, everything going on no, with those the are four, coronavirus shutting those are, everything down. Those are four pretty hard gets for you. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of the work you did there. Right. And, and you know what? Hey, it's the first show you go with who you could get easily for the uh, for the program. And you I'll, Jay without me. It was one of those where it was, hey, what time can you do it? And it was like one o'clock, I think, on Thursdays yeah, when we recorded. It. So right, that's, that's cool. yeah, that's what a lot of these are, are going to be. And uh, once we do get everything going online, and if we do start doing a live show, then we'll we'll figure out how to make that work. But we're right. trying to provide as much content as possible. And you can look in the description of this episode, and you can see the timestamps for those interviews and when they are. And that way, you could just fast forward to the ones that you want to hear, or if there's one that you a topic you particularly don't care about, you can fast forward to that too. So it, it works out well. That way, you could just pick 
and choose what part you want to listen to, or you could just stick around for the full however long this uh, whole episode ends up being, and you could just enjoy the entire ride, and it gives you something to do on a uh, on a Saturday because or Sunday or Monday or whenever you uh, you want to listen to it. It's it's there for you up there on clavesonline.com. So, Andy, I think the big news that came out Friday morning that's most impactful to the St. Louis community when it comes to sports is the fact that the XFL has pretty much said that they are, they are going to cease operations. Uh, and it sounds indefinite. It really, unfortunately, it sounds like this was their second go at it. And they didn't quite, uh, due to COVID-19, due to the coronavirus, they aren't going to be able to continue to play. They won't be able to continue the XFL anymore. And it looks like it's shut down with no plans to play in 2021. And all employees have been laid off, including a few people that you and I know that worked with the Battlehawks. And it just, it sucks because... Everybody looked at the Alliance and the way that the Alliance kind of was set up and how it was a laughing stock and they ran out of money and then they the season ended. Vince McMahon had money. Vince McMahon right. put in half a billion dollars. He put in five hundred million dollars into Alpha Entertainment, which was the parent company of the XFL. So they could run. And he said that they had enough cash on hand to run for three years without having to with, with you know without making a profit which i know is probably upsetting to some people now that the xfl has ended and I, all you could say about it is that it sucks that that's I mean, plain and simple that's what it is it's a really sad situation you know people in st louis were really really pumped up about it i believe i had heard upwards of 40,000 tickets have been sold for the third game because they were going to open up the uh, the upper deck yeah, uh, for the third for the third home game here in St. Louis, and forty thousand tickets. So I mean, it was it was on its way to being a huge, overwhelming success, and then all hell breaks loose and they have to shut down. And unfortunately, it, it's sad that the XFL is, is is a casualty of this. I didn't quite expect it. Uh, I don't think really anybody did. And to hear that they're not just you know done for the season, that they're not going to come back trying and resurrect it again. Next year is is really surprising and very disappointing at the same time. So that's the part that did surprise me was that they it looks like they will not be coming back in 2021. That it looks like they will that that it will be you know that it's done that they're not going to try it again. And I saw a thread online that makes a lot of sense when it when when you talk about that because I could have easily seen a, a situation where. They they get rid of all the employees. You know, right. they, they say, hey, stop showing up. We're, we're not doing this anymore. And you do a you know, you just kind of clean house and say your jobs will be here when you're back. Just you're laid off. Go apply for unemployment. You don't have a job here anymore. But to say that they don't have plans of restarting it in 2021 is what surprised me. But I saw <laughs> this thread on uh, on Twitter the other day by a guy by the name of Stephen Gavin, who isn't a writer by any means. It looks like he's Harvard and Syracuse educated. Uh, Who's former, kind of dumb. Uh, yeah, right. So exactly. <laughs> and it looks like he had he, he wrote an entire thread of, of about 10, 12 tweets deep about this, about the XFL funding uh being funded by by vince mcmahon it's at gavin rambles on and just to hit some of the 
points of this, I guess the estimated losses for the XFL. So they put $500 million in. Okay. They were showing losses of $130 million after year one, which was more than anticipated. They were going to take losses in year one. They they wanted to build something up over the years, and they were going to use the TV revenue money and the sponsorship dollars to make this work. Obviously, so real quick. Yes. Most businesses lose lose money. They, they, they operate at a loss in their first year. Yeah. Like not like 90 percent of businesses do. It's really about year three when you turn it around and at least break even, if not make a few bucks. Yeah, so, I, I think the best example and I would imagine an example a lot of people have heard is that if a restaurant can stay open for one year, that's a blessing. If they can stay open for three years, they have a chance. If they stay open for five years, they're going to succeed. Correct. Yeah. And that, you know, you could transfer that over to most businesses. So I what he goes on to say is that Vince McMahon still had three hundred and seventy million dollars invested or they still had, I guess, cash that he could that liquid assets, if you will, that he could have spent to keep the XFL afloat. But with the fact that the. the fact that the WWE just had to cancel WrestleMania, that they are not getting any kind of money from live shows, that they aren't going to have any pay-per-views inside live arenas anytime soon, that all of these things that the WWE is experiencing, that Vince McMahon had to probably make a choice between the 300 that he could take, he could keep the XFL afloat, or he could take that $370 million and he can invest it back into the WWE, where you look at the fact that TV deals – NBC, who runs the USA Network, and Fox, at any point, they could cancel their deal with the WWE. Now, right now, it's providing them hours of – new content on their TV stations. So I don't think that there's a chance that they will drop them, especially when you're looking at millions of viewers accounting for those times right now anyway. So I don't think that's a possibility, but given the ratings, given what's going on, they could easily terminate those TV deals. So that would be a disaster that I think Vince McMahon is looking at and looking into the fact that he needs to have that money available in case something like that happens. There also are going to be cuts coming in the WWE. There are wrestlers that are going to be released. There are backstage people that are going to be released. There are people that drive the trucks that aren't driving trucks right now that are going to be laid off. And when you look at all of that and the decision to have to be made there, you're looking at a man who owns, you know, that went from being worth $6 billion to now $2 billion with some of the investments that he's made the last few years in Vince McMahon. And, you know, yeah, he's still a billionaire, but he's lost $4 billion over the last few years. That's, you know, he, he he's lost to, how much he's lost. $4 I billion? believe it's about $4 billion. I think he was worth oh. $6 billion. I think now he's worth $2 billion. So that's and, just under about 1.8. I just looked it up. because I was Yeah. Curious. Yeah, he he had gotten up to six billion at, at one point, and I think that there is a lot of stuff he has invested interest in, and you know that's where I think some of that goes away. So for for right now, Vince McMahon, I think has learned from past mistakes, and I don't think that he wants the XFL to fall flat. So I think making the cut right now was probably the best move, and when it's all you know. 
he's failed at this twice now. You could look at the first one was a failure because of the product on the field. This one was a failure because of a worldwide pandemic. I don't think there's going to be a third try for the XFL. No, probably not. And it's just, you know, like I said, it's just it's just unfortunate that it got to this uh, because of this pandemic and really, the, you know, and the state of the economy and, and how no one is working pretty much. Um, and, and, and so when you're not able to generate revenue, which is, you know, again, back to just business basics, you have to lay people off and, you know, sometimes spend business operations. It's just just the nature of the beast. Yeah, so it, it it sucks. I understand it. It still sucks no matter what. So it's you know it, it will. I'll try to get Howard on next week to talk a little bit more about it. Uh, I'm sure more stuff will come out. More of the details will come out in writings over the money that's involved in this and kind of why the decision was made. So we'll we'll wait and see that. And I'm sure it'll still be a story next week on the uh, on oh, the show. So. Yeah, so that's uh, you know that's a story to revisit next week. With Jay, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the uh, the golf uh, plans for 2020. The Open Championship or the British Open has been canceled. They have set dates aside for the Masters. They uh, have plans in place for many other golf tournaments to start back up in the middle of June. So if anything, it's it's good to see that something is being planned. And right. that there is that there is a plan in place for sports to restart at some point in the season. And I'll tell you what we with Claves and with Matt Snyder, I'll I'll give you a little tease because I talk baseball with both of them. They don't see this Arizona plan coming to fruition, but there's a lot of stories that keep coming out about it. The first one about all 30 teams being in Arizona. And now there being a story about down in, down in Florida, having a league, having some of the teams and then having some of the teams in Arizona and how you would split all of those teams up. I I tell you what, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a little bit of smoke starting to come from this. Yeah, there is, you know, and I, uh, I read the, the NESN story um, a little while ago. Uh, and that kind of breaks out. It would basically be Grapefruit League Baseball versus Cactus League Baseball in the in the World Series, where the teams that are all kind of close to each other, which is kind of a thing that 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 you and I pondered a few weeks ago, is that what what would what would realigned divisions look like with you know taking the traditional National and American League out of the picture, and it, it's kind of what they what they've done. I think that you know I think Rob Manfred has been listening to the program. Yeah, they uh, just the idea of it. Uh, just like it was a Bob Nightingale article, who's a uh, teammate here at Claves Online. I imagine uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something that happens uh, that a uh, post that's or a podcast with him over the next yeah. week after this article. Uh, but basically, the division that the Cardinals would play in would be the Nationals, the Astros, the Mets. And the Marlins, those would be the four teams that they would play pretty much just for every game. That would (laughs) the way that it would work, because the the Cardinals and Marlins share a facility about 15, 20 minutes away is the Astros and the Nationals and then Port St. Lucie, which is a bus ride away. But they have they still not very far up, not very far north from Jupiter, maybe maybe 20, 25 minutes. Is it? is it only that? I thought it was longer than that. I, I thought it was. I thought it was kind of an annoying bus ride that the that the players had to take. Well, I have this thing. I found this thing today called Google Maps. It's kind of yeah. new, I think. So I'll figure out how far it is. 
I got to tell you, I have been using Google Maps, the satellite version of Google Maps, a lot lately. I saw I have had a couple people send me the Reddit post that has been going around of uniquely made majorly or I guess high school fields, um, ones that have just really odd distances to dead center or no fence at part of the field or it's shared it's it shares the field with a high school football field so it really you know center field is the other end zone and home plates the one end zone and center fields the other end zone so it's you know there, there are some ridiculous fields that are out there and they're the reddit stream of these pictures is great and i've thread for reddit it's a reddit thread yes and I'm a, I'm a I'm a big Reddit guy, and that's that's, one, I, that's been one of my favorite threads this week. I, I don't know how to use Reddit, but I've been looking at that, and I believe Sports Illustrated posted an article about the Reddit yeah. thread. And uh, just to uh, just uh, you could tweet at me at Joe Roderick with some of your other ones because I posted it out there. Yeah. But some of the fields just here locally, I know of one of them, Nashville, uh, Nashville, Illinois. Their their right field foul pole was about 200 feet away it was such a short porch maybe 250 i'm probably really exaggerating whatever it was really really short i can tell you that i never once got a hit at any game i played in nashville because every single at bat that i ever had at nashville's high school field i tried to hit a home run down the line and i would (laughs) pop out every (laughs) single time I not once did I just get lucky and hit a routine fly ball to right that went out every t- I went over in Nashville because I tried to hit a home run every single time. And then the other one. So my dad is the uh, was a principal at Brussels throughout the 90s and the uh, early 2000s. And Brussels over there, you have to cross the ferry over there in the peninsula in Illinois. And they so their right field and right center went up a hill to the school and left field. There was a light pole in left field with a sign on it that anything from that light pole to the foul pole was a ground rule double and anything to the other side of it was a home run because the fence was so short. That was the ground rules there at Brussels. And from the time that I was, I don't even remember how old I was the first time I saw that field in Brussels until my dad retired from uh, from there. I wanted them to put a green monster up at that field so bad, and he never did it. Here's never what's listened interesting to me. about that about that area. There are there is a ton of flat area around Brussels where they could have built a baseball field <laughs> and, and actually had it be legitimate instead of what that clown show you're describing. I've never seen it before, but that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people, so I've been using the satellite, the Google satellite, to find these fields and post pictures of them, and you can see some of the measurements of that. Did you find the distance between Port St. Lucie and Jupiter? I did. It's 34 minutes off Florida Turnpike. Okay, no, that's not bad at all. So it's just another idea that's being thrown out there for baseball. You You'll hear Claves and Matt's. Again, if it's if you're going to give me baseball, that's great. I'll take it. I will take whatever baseball you give me. Um, I already talked to Jamie. This week uh, over at Munganass, and I told him if there's baseball to be played, I'm driving down there to cover it, wherever it might be. Arizona's 22 hours away. Okay, that's a long ride. Um, but it's a long drive. It's a long drive. It's also about 22 hours to Jupiter. 
So it's... <laughs> no, about 18. I bet 17, 18 on Jupiter. And but I told him that I would do that. And he told me that he had a Sienna with my name on it just nice. for uh, just for that trip. I'm so... going I'm going with. <laughs> So that is the uh, that's the plan that I made with them so uh, they, for that. So from the story that I read, Joe, and that was on the I think I, I shared it with you, but that was the NESN story was yeah. that the and, and they said that that would just be that those 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 that area would be the Cardinals division. They would I, play they would play other teams in Florida. So they would play other teams around the state, but that would just be their division. I, I think that, again, there's going to be a lot more that's going to come of these ideas. If that's the idea you come with, then I think you probably just eliminate all air travel and everything will be by buses. And I don't think you're going to get these players on a bus for three hours to go three, four hours to go to the other side of Florida. Well, I, I mean, think that some concessions. On a road trip, if you're going on a road trip to that side that lasts, you know, that lasts 10 days, you know, 10, 10 days, two weeks when you're, you know, you're on when you're on the, the Tampa side as opposed to being over on the Atlantic side or I'm sorry, on the Gulf side, as opposed to being on the Atlantic side. So you, I, I imagine you wouldn't be going back and forth that often. It would just, you know, you'd be over there and then you, you know, you'd be at a hotel right by the, all these spring training places have hotels right by the, right by the ballparks. Well, then so. you're staying in hotels and then I, then you're staying in different hotels. And then I think there's more issues there that go away from all of these ideas of just kind of sequestering these players in one room and making them play in the same field. So I, I don't know. I, again, I, there's a lot of other ideas that need to be worked out sure. before any of this is possibly yeah, what are, what are uh, possibly are perfect, done. Are perfect plans. I, I like the idea of the Cardinals division being yeah. uh, being, although they wouldn't stand a, a, a snowball's chance in hell. In that division with the Astros and the Nationals in it. <laughs> I don't, hey, you know what? Again, I, I think you can kind of throw all of that stuff out the window in a weird season like this. Probably. With, yeah, I, I, I think that think there's just so much it. unknown to uh, to things like that. Um, things that we uh, things that we're going to talk about next week on the show, Andy. Uh, most definitely, I just started watching Ozark this week, uh, yes. so I'm about nine episodes into season one. Uh, we will. So maybe by the time we talk next Saturday, we will have I, I will be finished with that. I, I see myself running through that entire uh, that entire series because I really have gotten hooked on it. It's very, very similar in my eyes to Breaking Bad. Oh, is it really? See, and I've I've, I've never seen Breaking Bad. I've never watched an episode of it. Uh, I, I, I think I've heard very best shows to, to binge watch. Ozark yeah. is incredible. I mean, it's it's I've I've seen both seasons all the way through. Uh, haven't started season three yet. We're recording this on on April the tenth. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you're you're gonna really enjoy the end of season one, there, pal. Okay, great. I can't wait. And then uh, Easter Sunday, I'm smoking a ham. I'm putting a ham in the smoker oh, nice. for Easter Sunday. Uh, never have done that before. Not sure what to expect with smoking a ham. We will see how we'll see how that goes. Coming up on Easter uh, Easter Sunday. So this is, uh, by the way, weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, located at 13720 Manchester Road in St. Louis, serving the St. Louis area since 1986. They are the 28-time Precision Team Award winner, more than any other Acura dealership in the United States. That's Munganass St. Louis Acura. The uh, title sponsor here of Weekend Joe.
Weekend Joe, now exclusively on ClabesOnline.com, is driven by Munganess St. Louis Acura. It's also sponsored by the Inskip Law Firm. Hey, right now in these uh, trying times, don't hesitate to call the Inskip Law Firm for any of your estate planning, wills, trusts, or power of attorney issues that you might have. Corey Inskip at the Inskip Law Firm can help with all of that, and he can even help with traffic matters or criminal matters for that uh, for that matter. They are committed to your satisfaction at the Inskip Law Firm. That's I-N-S-K-I-P, the Inskip Law Firm. Corey Inskip, my guy, plenty of ways to get in touch with him, whether it's by phone, email, social media. Corey Inskip will get back in touch with you if you give him a call or hit him up today. That's the Inskip Law Firm. Remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertising. And welcome back into Weekend Joe, now exclusively on ClabesOnline.com. And, well, our first guest on our weekend <laughs> online-only show is the man himself. It's Mike Claiborne. What's up, man? It's all good, man. I'm trying to make the most of uh, a very trying situation. And, you know, I don't know about you, Joe, but I, I, I kind of feel like we're getting more information about how this thing is unfolding and it seems like we're moving in a more positive direction than we were maybe a week, maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. You're, you're seeing that curve, uh, drop some, you're seeing some of the numbers change for the better, but I mean, even still losing as many lives as we are, that's, yeah. that's not good. And I think, you know, you, you have people out there that are trying to bring a positive spin to this, whether it's, you know, we, we had just what the PGA and the Masters announced their kind of schedule for 2020 for the rest of the year. We'll talk with Jay coming up, uh, Jay Jr. about that in a little bit. But you yeah, then you have baseball. Major League Baseball kind of came out with their one of their ideas. It seems like they're being a little proactive with trying to get uh, trying to get some things moving in the right direction. Well, you know, there, there's so many pieces to this puzzle uh, when you think about the teams trying to be proactive and come up with a plan. Because remember this, when we start playing sports, everybody's going to be playing. So now you've got to contend with a sport you normally don't contend with. You also got to try and figure out are fans going to trust uh, the experts and say it's OK to go back to the arena or to the ballpark or wherever they like watching the sporting events. And I think you've got to be creative. And, and, and here's the other thing I think we all have to take into account. If you've ever had an infection and they give you antibiotics, they tell you to take all of them. Right. Don't skip. Right. Don't. Yeah. Just when you feel better, you, you still have to use all of them up. I think with this virus, we have to make sure it's completely either eradicated or controlled to the point where there'll be a vaccine developed where we'll be able to be better prepared because there's a phase two to this. So we have to be ready for that as well. So I, I think we have to just be patient and let it play itself all the way through. You know, I know you're uh, you're a big basketball guy. You follow the NBA and it seems like that's the sport that's been hit the hardest with it. You were down in Florida where it was a bit of a hotbed during spring training. Are you surprised that we haven't seen more issues or more uh, positive tests out of major league baseball? Uh, yes and no. I, I think that there may be some that have probably taken place that we're not familiar with uh, because, you know, initially everybody didn't know exactly what the symptoms were. I mean, we were trying to distinguish between the flu and something a little bit more serious. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those things where uh, maybe we caught it early enough uh, because, remember, 
uh, players were already in spring training in an environment. They weren't doing a lot of traveling like guys were doing in the NBA. And I think that's probably the one reason why the other sports didn't encounter more of a problem because they were basically housed in the state of Florida or in the state of Arizona. Uh, even in hockey, we see more guys come up with it because of the fact, I think the travel and the exposure that they were provided by uh, was something that they couldn't control like you can in spring training. Yeah. And that it's still what only the one minor leaguer for the Yankees. Is that the only, no, there, there've been a couple other minor leaguers and some okay. other organizations, but, but to your point is, yeah, I, I think because these guys were so confined already is probably the reason, you know, think about it. They weren't dealing with a lot of uh, fans in a lot of different cities that they were going to be at a hotel or just meeting other people. You know, it's go home, go to the ballpark, go eat dinner and go back home and do it all over again the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Spring training is a lot different than that regular season when you're jumping from city to city. You yeah. kind of just yeah, you, you hit up your favorite places for dinner and they have such an early morning compared to a regular season when they're in spring training. Yeah, Not a lot of carousing at night that takes place in spring. <laughs> well, maybe not as much as it used to be. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> That's social media and cell phones, man. It's hurt a lot of that, hasn't it? It's it's killed it, man. And, you know, the unfortunate thing about this, Joe, is that this generation of athlete will never experience the fun that guys did 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And, and, and a lot of it's just good humor more than anything else. But good humor in the eyes of a camera phone may be perceived differently. So therefore, they just say, you know, what, it's not worth it. How weird is it for you right now? I mean, we're in the almost, you know, first week of April and there's no baseball going on. How are you coping with things? Well, you know, let's think about it. I mean, we've all had something to do with this time of the year. All right. We were either going to an event, we're covering an event, or we're watching an event. So it has been a change. It has been a change. So what I've tried to do is, A, you got to stay in shape. You got to find things to do physically. Uh, B, you got to eat smarter. And see, I think with so many options TV wise, uh, it's OK to try a little catch up on your hamburger as far as for trying to find different programming. I've been more into documentaries than anything else, but it's, it's been a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, there's no doubt. Now you try and pick up a book and try and read that. And, and, but I think more importantly, and I'm sure you're doing the same thing, you're making contact and reaching out with family and friends. Maybe you normally don't have enough time for your normal way of life. And now there's a time when you reach out and you check in and make sure everybody's OK. And uh, I think after this it gets behind us, maybe it'll be more of a routine that we'll all follow. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, I know my mom, uh, the video chatting with my my parents, mm -hmm. and my son. It seems like every day now where in the past you actually had plans, you actually knew when you were going to see them again. So now it's become more of a daily routine for uh, for things like that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think some people are learning from it. Other people are just like, what did I marry her for? Or man, these kids are driving me crazy. I mean, you hear those complaints, too. But, uh, you know, I, I always try and find good in situations. And I think in this one, it's brought people a lot closer together. Have you watched Tiger King yet? I watched two episodes and I had to give it up. Uh, I, I don't know what what America's fascination is with the lowest common denominator socially. Uh, I don't get it, man. I mean, I watched it and I'm like, OK, so another reality show. Uh, we're not talking about the Kardashians or somebody who's living on the high end. We're talking about a guy 
who's married to a guy who has less teeth than the tiger has in his mouth. Okay. I mean, it just, it was just a train wreck, but we're fascinated by that kind of stuff for some reason. And I I just, I said enough. I called time out. I said, I'm not going to watch it anymore. (laughs) And then of all things, we're in the middle of a pandemic and you get some idiot in a press conference and a press briefing at the white house, ask the president, is he going to pardon this guy? I mean, and Joe, you've been in a lot of media scrums where writers or guys will try and egg the manager on and see if we can get a chuckle out of them. But that's we're talking a baseball. We're talking hockey or whatever. We're talking about people's lives at stake and serious stuff. And you get this bird brain trying to roll out a question to see if he can get a rise out of the president. I'm surprised it took that long to get a question like that, though. Well, <laughs> I, I think because. They're not getting answers to the questions they ask. I guess they figure <laughs> yeah. they want to go to plan B and see what else they can come up with. Just see, yeah, see anything. And then, you know, yeah. if yeah, if you if you if you had watched the show during all this, then that's even more stuff. Well, that they that's it. You know, what, here's the thing. if he were to say, yeah, I've been watching that, then I just would have said, not time out. Here's my passport. I'm moving. I'm out. I'm out. If this is what this guy is doing is watching Tiger King. Well, if, when we get to the point of the quarantine where you finish Tiger King, we know that there's uh, that you, you're running out of stuff to do. Oh, man, I will go back to watching cartoons on the Cartoon Network that I used to watch as a kid before I go back to something like that. I might start watching the Lifetime channel or the Oprah Network <laughs> if it comes down to that. So you mentioned, you know, the stuff, the other stuff on TV or the, uh, you know, other people things, you know, the writers, they have stuff that they're they're not able to cover right now. So what is what is some of the most creative stuff that you have seen, whether it be in in any kind of media that you've seen somebody doing to pass the time? Well, you know what? Everybody seems like they've got a list they want to put up. And uh, and, and I think some of them have been pretty entertaining. Um, I think that because we have we don't have the access to the athletes that we normally would, um, you know, because the teams aren't helping you line up anybody. So if you don't have a pocket full of phone numbers, it's kind of hard to reach somebody. Uh, I, I think that just to hear how people are passing the time, whether they're having more family time, because at this point, Joe, we've cleaned out our closet. OK, we've already decluttered. I mean, we've done all the things we've been meaning to do. So there's no reason for us to worry about that stuff anymore. So now it's on to like for me, I'm, I'm boning up on my Spanish. Uh, I'm going in my cookbooks and trying to find different recipes like three nights a week. Uh, I'm just trying to find some other cultural things. I picked up my guitar again. And I'm starting to play with that again. So I'm, I'm just trying to find some things that will be nice social habits I can maintain when this is over with. What are you doing for Spanish? What are you uh, using? Babble. I'm trying Babbel. Okay. I when I came back from the uh from when I came back from the Super Bowl this year down in Miami, I, every every driver, every Uber Lyft driver that I had uh, seemed to speak uh speak Spanish, a lot of people that I interacted with. Yeah. So I started on uh, Duolingo. I started using Yeah, I got the, that uh, on my phone. Yeah, I have that on my phone. Yeah, so I started using that, but I, there's I haven't some things kept when up you get in a bar. Much. There's some things you get in a bar, and she may not understand. You can't pull that up out of your phone as quick as you need to. So I'm trying to learn it the right way, so I can kind of <laughs> throw. If I can put four or five sentences together, then I think they'll get the point. I uh, know what I mean. Right. What I start, what I used a lot down there, and what I, actually I used it in spring training too. The Google Translate app. 
where you can talk into it and it come and the words will type out and it you have a conversation that way. Mm. I was using that a lot, so I would sit in the front seat of the car down in Miami and I would try to converse with the guy and I would show him my phone. So I would say something, show him my phone. He would say it back to me in his language and then it would pop up in English uh, on my phone. Okay. So I went back and forth with that. And then when we were down at spring training, when I was down there with TMA and we were doing the question of the day, which I'm sure is a uh, part of the day that you love when you when you see us doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm Jake, surprised somebody hadn't gotten decked by now when they tried it. <laughs> I, I really uh, I, I just the look that some of those players have is like, you got to be kidding me. If Chris and the veterans are smart enough, somebody, then nobody's going to hit anybody. That's the way I kind of feel about it. Right. You're right. You don't but I, to... I did that with the uh, the Korean media. I went up to the people that were following KK, and mm. I was able to ask them questions using that Google Translate app. And I guess it works because they understood whatever I said into the phone, whatever it typed out on the phone, they understood it perfectly. So I, I guess that up. I'm going to try that one. That's yeah. Google. What is it now? Google, Google tr- Translate. Google right. Translate. Yeah, there. It's a. Uh, yeah, it's a, a pretty interesting app there. So you mentioned talking to the players, a pocket full of numbers. You just had a, a conversation with Tommy Pham the other day, that's up on Klabe's uh, online. What uh, What did the former Cardinal outfielder have to say? You know, he was fun, man. Uh, you know, nobody works harder to be ready to play than Tommy Pham. And I thought he might be scaling it back a little bit with all this downtime. He said, no, I've turned it up a notch. He said, I want to be in the best shape of my life when this thing kicks off, because he figures whoever is ready early is going to succeed. So he's putting more work in. But, man, he had a point. I asked him the best hitting advice he ever got since he's been playing. And he said he got it from Albert. And it was a very interesting answer about not being defensive. Uh, I would strongly urge people who haven't heard it to take a listen because we cover a lot of things, uh, what he's doing in his spare time, uh, how he prepares, um, you know, his experience in St. Louis and how much Yachty and and Wayno meant to him when he was a Cardinal. And and he he just couldn't say enough about how good the fans were to him. So uh, he's always going to be a Cardinal no matter what other uniform he wears. Yeah, he was uh, he was getting ready to start his season down in San Diego with that young and exciting team yeah. there. So I, I imagine somebody like him is just itching to get uh, to get back on the field. Well, you know, there's a leadership role for him there. Um, you know, you got Hosmer who's been around for a little bit. He's been a, a World Series champion. But when you think about Machado, who's a young guy, you think about uh, Tatis, who's a young guy, and they've got some other good young players. Uh, Profar is on that team. You're seeing Profar who was a real phenom when he was in the Texas organization, couldn't stay healthy. But, you know, if he can stay healthy, man, he's going to make that infield real solid. Uh, and they got a chance, man. Their pitching is going to be better than I think people think, uh, you know, and it's a great place to play. I mean, it's a fun city to play in, a little expensive. Uh, if you're a visiting team, you love it because you walk across a skywalk right into the ballpark. And a half a block away is the gas lamp district where there's every restaurant and bar you can imagine in, in about a two mile stretch. So uh, a lot of good things in San Diego. And I think he's going to do well there. If uh, if they do get the season underway here in the next few weeks, like they uh, like the story on ESPN came out and it's all in Arizona. Do you see that? Do you see the no, chances of that? happening? I don't No, I don't see it. And, and here's why. Uh, first of all, um, 
you, you're going to have to open this thing up more. And so you're talking about three, four thousand people that you're going to basically sequester. So how are you going to feed them? Because there aren't any restaurants open. Uh, how are you going to move them around? Because that that area of where they play is very congested and that's going to be a problem. Uh, what do the Cubs get out of this? What do the Mets or the Braves or the Pirates get out of your team playing out there? There's no gate receipts for anybody to collect. The only ones that will do well would might be the TV networks, and they're not going to pay you the whole freight anyway. So why not wait? Be patient. Make sure that when you do this, because you're only get, going to get one kick at the can at this, you got to get it done right, and you have to engage and have to have the fans involved at some point. Now, if you want to do something like that on a smaller scale, let's say for two weeks, three weeks, I can see that in order to get the rest of the world in order. And that way you can have some games under your belt or maybe you you televise the the, the exhibition games if you're going to have some. But it can't be more than a two week period that you can find yourself in Arizona trying to play this thing. Yeah, that was I always thought maybe the first month, but I, you know, playing no, the whole 162 or the whole season no. just seemed way, way too no. much. Even the players will start following other sports. I mean, I just don't see where it would create enough interest. And, you know, I know players. Well, I, I don't I won't be around my family. Well, yeah, I know guys on aircraft carriers and in submarines or in foxholes all over the world are not around their family. So that's not a, that's probably not something that is going to make me have a pity party for you because people are making bigger sacrifices, making a lot less money to be away from their family. So I'm not, I'm not buying into that, but because athletes are a different breed of individual, uh, they feel like if they can play that car, they will. I'm not necessarily sure if that's going to sell on the rest of America when it comes to watching sporting events. But we will, uh, we'll check back in in a couple weeks and we'll see where we stand with, uh, with that. The uh, some of the stuff up on Claves online right now. What's uh, we, we talked about the fam interview that you have. We are still doing the this day in Cardinal history each and every day. We had Rick Horton on this week to uh, share a story and we'll have him on a few more times coming up. What are some other things in the works? Well, we got some things. The bracket challenge, the bracket madness is winding down. That's been a real success for uh, for us and had a lot of fun with it. Uh, working on a couple of interesting podcasts for next week. Uh, don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but I think we're going to have some people that uh, you're going to want to hear from. Let's just put it that way. That sounds good, Klebs. We'll talk with you soon, man. Thank you so much. Looking forward to it. Tell my man Jay Randolph, hang in there. Uh, I know the weather's been good for him uh, as far as weather, but the governor doesn't want him out playing golf. I understand it, but I'm telling you, Gateway National is going to be packed before you know it. So tell Jay I said hey and tell him look I'm looking forward to going over there playing some golf with him. Will do. Thank you very much. You got it. Weekend Joe driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on uh ClavesOnline.com, now the exclusive home of Weekend Joe. Hey, St. Louis Acura has received the Precision Team Award 28 times more than any other Acura dealership in the United States. They have been serving the St. Louis area since 1986, located at 13720 Manchester Road in St. Louis. They are your premier realtor of new and used Acura vehicles in the nation that is Munganess St. Louis Acura the title sponsor here of Weekend Joe now on clavesonline.com 
Welcome back into Weekend Joe, now exclusively on Claves Online, driven by Munganast Acura over there in St. Louis on Manchester Road. We welcome in now our uh, next guest here on the Weekend Show. He is Jay Randolph Jr. What's going on, Jennings? How are you? I am good, my friend, and uh, I'm glad you've landed at Claves Online. I, I also am kind of involved with uh, Mr. Claiborne, and uh, it's, it's going to be fun the next couple of months. Once uh, things start rolling again, to, to see what uh, you guys are going to do. Yeah, he. Uh, I just actually finished talking with Klaibs, uh recording an interview with him that uh, that's up on the website too. And he said he's told me to uh, send you uh, send you his best, as uh, he knows that you're you're trying to make everything work out at Gateway. And once the governor opens it back up, you guys should be booming out there. Well, I, I think it's it's going to be amazing as things start to proceed and you know governor cuomo today said we're, we're not going to go from red to green uh, we're, we're going to go from red to yellow and i think that yellow period is going to be ver- very beneficial for golf you're already seeing it in missouri whether you agree with the decision or not golf is allowed in the state of missouri right now by Governor Pritzker's order in Illinois, it is not. But, Joe, I think you're right in what you said, that people are going to be itching. It is going to be, you know, as much as you can say a safe environment, I think it, it will be. I think it'll be a place people go to long before they jam eighteen or 19,000 in a building. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the game benefits uh, and I know we're going to talk about changes in the tour, which was going so great. Yeah. And t- so tell me, I mean, that that seems like the one sport that should still be going on right now is, is golf. And I can understand Augusta not want. I mean, well, actually, no, because I mean, Augusta is so specific with where you can have cameras and what you can show and they don't want the overhead cameras of the golf course to show the surrounding areas and why why is golf not happening when it is just a group of four or six guys playing each hole of golf and that can easily be televised well i think there's a lot to take in there i mean when you've got states calling for stay-at-home orders or 80% or 85% of the country on quote-unquote lockdown, I I think you have to. Um, But as I said, I think it will be, I mean, there is the hope that the PGA Tour will start the second week of June at Memorial, Jack's Place, but Joe, there won't be spectators. Uh, Yeah. You know, and, and I wonder, as they've kind of put this proposed schedule out with the PGA Championship moving to August 3rd to the 9th in San Francisco, are they going to be playing in front of anybody by then? I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the indication is. I don't know whether it's something the president or Dr. Fauci or... You know, I just thought it was interesting the way Governor Cuomo said, don't, you know, we're not going from red to green. There's going to be a yellow period. And for the golfers, when they do get out there and they're not golfing with anybody, is that even going to matter to them? 
No, but it's going to be different. I mean, when you stick a shot, you know, when you hit a really good shot from a position where maybe you can't see the whole location and you're looking at your caddy instead of hearing roars or applause, you know, that's going to be a little weird. I think the other thing that might be a little weird, Joe, is if, if they don't put up like the stands. You know, so oftentimes guys miss a shot and instead of going 20, 30 yards over a green, it, it ends up in a stand and then they get a free drop and it's an up and down. That could be interesting. I also think what will be interesting is you know, and the same goes across the board for all sports, I think, some guys are getting after it more than others right now in practice and workout and play and that type of thing. And other guys are, you know, watching Tiger King. So, you know, it's going to be a whole new ball game. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see it, how it plays out, not only in golf, but in the other major sports. Are you surprised that we haven't ha- – I mean, I know a few guys are doing stuff. They're live streaming rounds of golf or doing stuff on the simulators. Are you surprised we haven't had a made-for-TV event yet, like a Tiger versus Phil type thing? In a way, I'm a little surprised that we haven't gotten a couple of guys together uh, down in South Florida or in California. Maybe said it's, you know, it's it's free to watch. Uh you know, somebody's putting up a million dollars, but the, the, it all goes to charity or something. You mic them, you do something unique. Yeah, I, I guess I'm a little surprised, but I still think, you know, we're kind of in that infancy. Uh, you know, it, it's scary to say that we're still in the infancy. I hope we're not. I hope we're at the middle portion um, of what all this is uh, and what it's going to mean. But I am a little surprised that you haven't seen, you know, Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas down at the Floridian. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. What's uh, what's Jay Sr. saying about this? I mean, as a guy who probably over the last 10 years sat on his sat in his chair and watched sports virtually from start to finish the day, uh, he's catching up on a lot of old movies. You know, I when it all kind of first started, Joe, I mean, I, I felt like nobody in this country except the people that were alive and cognizant during World War II had any idea of, of what, you know, this was all going to mean. But, I, I, you know, Jay Senior even talked about being seven years old in 1941 and remembering selling war bonds and some rationing of some things, but, but nothing like this. I mean, the thing that crushes him is that one, two, three club is canceled every Monday. (laughs) His main day. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I think your son and, and playing on playgrounds or, you know, getting ready for T-ball or, or that, that high school senior at DeSmet who had been playing better golf this past summer that was hopeful to have a chance maybe to win the state championship. It's hard to believe that we've lost all that for this, this instant, you know? 
Yeah, that's I mean, I see I see the complaints of parents that they don't get to watch their high school senior walk across the stage or they're not getting to go to prom. And that stuff, I mean, that that stuff that's that's not important. I mean, that stuff that may be important to you, but in the long run, it's just a one time memory. I do feel bad for those those kids that are that were supposed to play spring sports or yeah. this could have been their one opportunity to for a college coach to see them and maybe get that scholarship for next year. That that just sucks for them. Well, no doubt. You and I both have known people that, you know, are a little bit of a late bloomer and they start to finally get a little attention maybe their junior year or the summer in between their junior and senior year and it kind of is make or break in the spring and and it it is it's it's unique. I mean, and I think, you know, like you said, I, I, I understand how in the moment that prom would have been the, the most important thing. But as you and I have gotten older, um, you know, I, I think other things become, you know, more in perspective and they'll be OK. I think that, you know, the number one thing now is truly beating this thing. And, and no, it doesn't appear the deaths are going to be as many as there were, but that's hopefully is because of what we've been doing the last couple of weeks so and and then it's it's finding the 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 vaccine and 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 we don't have to worry about it and then hopefully the next time something like this occurs we're better prepared yeah i you would uh think for the future yeah stuff like this would would help out uh later on so let's talk about this 2020 schedule that the pga is is putting together this weekend was supposed to be masters weekend by the way when was the last time the masters sunday was on easter sunday um i want to say it was in 2000 and something tells me 2014 but i'm not sure yeah, I, I can't. I, I I haven't followed it nearly as close as you. This year, this year it was all the last couple of years have been earlier, and this year it was going to be later, just like the final four was. Yeah, I feel like it was. Uh, I feel like usually Masters Sunday and WrestleMania Sunday usually try to usually coincided on the same weekend. They were they were pretty close. Usually, usually the the WrestleMania was one week before, and then following that. Because the, WrestleMania, WrestleMania usually was the Sunday of the Final Four, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And then, then Thursday, that Thursday was the opening round of the Masters. Yep. Yeah. So you're yeah you're right about that. So. So what, yeah. what we know what we know so far, and, and the U.S. Open had been waiting and waiting. They'd already canceled what is called sectional qualifying. It is an Open Championship. Anybody with a handicap index, I think, of one point eight can tee it up in a local qualifier and move on to a sectional, but they canceled the sectional. They waited to do anything on the tournament, and then when they made the announcement of what they hope is a revised schedule, the U.S. Open schedule for Wingfoot will now move uh, to uh, a whole new date in September uh, for the United States Open. What I want to get back to the Masters first. The Masters are what is it? November is it fourteenth now? Is that what I, I or November ninth through the fifteenth? Okay, it'll be it'll be the twelfth through the fifteenth proper for the four days. You have been in Augusta uh, for in April. Do yep. you have any idea what Augusta will be like in November? You know, I, 
I went to the Farmer's Almanac, as a lot of people did. It's it's like a high of 62 and a low of 42. That's great. But <laughs> that doesn't mean that you're not going to get a high of 38 and a low of 34. Um, but you know what? They play that thing. I don't. I don't think people are going to care. I, I think it will be the most watched Masters of all time, for for a couple of reasons. You know, the Masters usually signals the beginning of the golf season for a lot of people, Joe, around the country that don't have warm weather throughout the winter. Um, and a lot of people play golf on on Saturday or Sunday or Thursday or Friday during Masters week. I think everybody will take off Thursday and Friday, uh, the uh, the 12th and 13th of November, and be locked in front of their TV. What will be interesting is when it's colder there, the golf course plays a whole lot different. It plays more difficult. You're not able to get some of the distance you need. So it will also be interesting to see what the tournament committee does to, uh, to, to how they want the golf course to, to play Score-wise. With a condensed schedule for the 2020 season, do you think guys will play more uh, and take less weeks off now? I do. I think partly, Joe, because of the importance of the events that are going to be played. I mean, when you look at it, you're going to have three majors. You're going to have the Ryder Cup and you're going to have the FedEx Cup playoffs. So, number one, it's the most money that's at stake for those events, and they're the biggest events. So, yeah, I I mean, I, I do a podcast with Bob Bubka called In the Grill Room with Bob and Jay, and I said, you know, what if this is exactly what Tiger needed, and he's able to come back, with a shortened, condensed schedule, and maybe win two majors in this little window that maybe he can be just right for. So there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be, you know, how are you going to get a basis of who's playing well? The Ryder Cup. Audrey Harrington, the captain of the European team, came out of nowhere two days ago and said he thinks he should be able to pick all 12 players because he doesn't have enough uh, uh, form to show. I don't think that'll happen because you've had virtually 16, 17 months of golf where players have been accumulating points. Now, I know they're heightened this year, but i got to think you'd have to take at least four to five from those Ryder Cup names. But there's a chance, Joe. You know, the, the U.S. Open is the week of September 14th to the 20th in New York. The following week is the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits in Kohler, Wisconsin. There's a chance a couple of guys may not get picked for the team on both sides, Europe and U.S., until after the U.S. Open, which would be Monday or Sunday night, uh, a captain's picking players to play that, uh, that Thursday. Huh. Yeah, that's yeah, that gives no time at all for any. No, I mean, somebody said, Bub Bubka said, what do they do about the uniforms? <laughs> <laughs> I said, they'll figure that out. Yeah, 
I, you could, yeah, you could, you could get those made pretty quick. What does this do for some of the foreign players? I, are all the play, are there any players that went back to their countries during this time off, or are most of the guys based in in the U.S.? Well, I think because of the way the situation was, and because they were at the players championship, which is the biggest international field, really, um, that that most of the guys have maintained their position in the U.S., and I think primarily a lot of them in Florida. And, and you know, you mentioned about not playing now or, or not having tournaments or, you know, why couldn't you? I think that travel situation is probably the number one thing, that, that the fear of travel or traveling, just period, right now, it, it seems like hardly anybody's doing it. So I, I think most of those guys have. But for some of them that haven't, Joe, you know, their countries may be restricted to a certain period where they're not allowed to leave the country when a tournament's being played. So, you know, I think the thing that was most exciting for golf geeks like me was at least to see something, at least maybe to have something to hold our hat on in this time where there's so on, so much uncertainty. Well, you are at uh, you're at Gateway National now. That's where uh, that's where you're calling home these days, since the Rock has closed up shop. And uh, I know uh, I've seen a lot of folks that are getting ready and getting anxious to get out there and play. I know this week with the weather we had during the uh, during the week would have been great to get out there and golf. And I'm sure you guys will have no problem uh, making that up once uh, once the governor opens things back up in Illinois. Joe, you mentioned the Rock and. Uh... I don't want to steal the group's thunder, but I, 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 it is my understanding that Normandy has been, uh, UMSL and a group have come to an agreement to where potentially in the next week, Normandy could reopen. And I think that in the next couple of weeks or months, uh, because of what's going on, you may hear some very big things about what's going to happen at Normandy. So uh, I'm glad you brought up the rock because that reminded me a little bit of uh, what's to come. Some good news on that front. Sounds good, Jay. We'll uh, check in with you again as golf gets back underway here in the next few weeks. My man, always good to talk to you and always good to be on Claves Online. This is Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, right here on ClavesOnline.com. Hey, have you thought about uh, buying or selling your home here in St. Louis? Well, Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker, he can help you out in doing so. Been selling and buying homes for well a few decades now. You can call him at 314-503-4999. That's 314-503-4999. That's Kevin Miller with Caldwell Banker Gundaker. And welcome back into Weekend Joe, now exclusively on ClavesOnline.com, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura as we continue on rolling through the guest list uh, this weekend. Welcome in now from CBS Sports, good friend Matt Snyder joins us now talking a little baseball. What's up, Matt? Hey, how you doing? 
I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, just trying to figure out ways to not be bored. But I, I got to imagine you're probably in the same boat as we sit here in the beginning of April and you don't have baseball to cover every day. Yeah, I'm streaming a lot of shows. Uh, you know, work-wise, I'm doing a lot of stuff that I, I like the history of baseball. So I'm working on, like, making an all-time team for every team. I'm going to start in the NL Central tonight. So I imagine the Cardinals' all-time team is going to be pretty stacked. Um, and uh, then I'm going to talk about – I'm going to go through a series talking about what possibly borderline Hall of Famers are going to be hurt the most if there's no season this year. Ooh. For example, like Andrew McCutcheon not getting to up his counting stats, something like that. And it could go hand-in-hand <laughs> hand with him tearing his ACL last year. So uh, I, I'm big, like I said, on the history. I love talking about Hall of Fame cases. So – it gives me extra time to kind of delve into a lot of the stuff that I am a baseball nerd about and it normally probably wouldn't have the time to do it. Yeah, that's um, that's interesting on, on that. I'm trying to think outside of McCutcheon, who else would be on that list? I mean, you look, there's some pitchers we've already seen that have elected to get Tommy John. So even if there is a brief season this year, they are I mean, they just opted to go and get the surgery and miss an entire year already. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, one person I thought of sale, actually sale is, is one. Um, of course he's Tommy John surgery, but, uh, he's probably was working his way towards the hall of fame. And now who knows, uh, Zach Granke, I think he's probably already there for me, but I think a lot of people think he needs to do a little more, uh, a a lost season here at age 36. Maybe he's going to hit his decline phase. Uh, you never know. Granke was the second one that came to my mind after McCutcheon. Let's. Uh, I want to go back to the the all team, the all lineups that you are uh, that all you're time, making yeah. right now. Yeah, the all time lineups that you're doing. So you've already gone through what the AL East and the NL East. Uh, NL East. I think we still have the Marlins yet to come. Uh, okay. Surprisingly, surprisingly good, considering how young of a franchise it is. Because if you think about the outfield that has like Stanton, Yellish, and Sheffield, uh, the rotation is like. Jose Fernandez and Josh Beckett, uh, Kevin Brown. So it surprisingly was a lot better than I thought it would be. Oh yeah, two World Series in that time, and then fire sales after it. You got yeah, they, 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 yeah. they had a lot of good players right in their primes and just didn't keep them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So the names, yeah, the, the names pop. That, they just that, don't that have the longevity. Sense. I'm trying to think with the Cardinals here. As I don't have you done any research on the Cardinals team yet, or are we uh, just? Yeah. What, Okay, I mean, so we, we just off the top of our heads. I was gonna say, if we're just, yeah, we're just spitballing here. I mean, Pujols is at first base, Molina's behind the plate, Musial's in left field, uh, and then you you start to go around some of the other, like a shortstop for the Cardinals. As Ozzie Smith, Ozzie definite, Smith. is it Ozzie Smith? I mean, because you have Edgar Renteria in there too, but I mean, you're going with the Hall of Famer Ozzie Smith. Yeah, I think it is. I've been generally going offense because I'm making him like I, I'm saying I'm going to create him for a video game team. Mm-hmm. Um, I we could probably find a better offensive shortstop in the Cardinals, but I mean, it's Renteria. Smith. It's yeah, then, Smith. Gotta, then, yeah, it's if you're, yeah, if you're going offense, then I mean Edgar Renteria, I think would be the easy choice. Yeah. Yes, for that, but, but it's yeah, and then center <laughs> center field, you I would think would have to be Edmonds. Right field Surely. would be, I mean, if I'm just uh, Willie McGee in right field, or are you? I don't know. I mean, they've been around for so long. We might be right. because if you think about like second base is going to be Rogers Hornsby, I, I assume. 
but there's just so much to to think about and consider. Like, if there was somebody close, I don't think there is to Hornsby. But if I'm looking at like someone from the 19 teens, the dead ball era, and he was an absolute beast, but then there's somebody recently who was an absolute beast. I've run into a few of those cases. I'm like, I'm going to take the guys recently because back in the 19 teens, it was a totally different game. There was no such thing as a slider. There was no such thing as a cutter, no such thing as a splitter. And it was integrated or pre-integration. The game wasn't integrated yet. So it's, I'm considering all those possibilities, um, but I will have to look through the whole uh, franchise history um, I imagine Lou Brock oh, will yeah. be around. Um, I mean, yeah, who probably who my you, leadoff man. And Lou Brock, I mean, but who? Uh, so I guess what? It's mutual in right field, Lou Brock in left field, Edmonds in center. If you, I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell you this though. If we run into a situation where, for example, we ran the Braves, uh, they didn't have a second baseman. I mean, it was going to be somebody like Glenn Hubbard or Marcus Giles or Dan Ugla. And then I looked at. And then I looked at third base, and I've got Eddie Matthews and Chipper Jones, two of the top, what, six third basemen ever play the game. So I just said, screw it. This is my team, and I moved Chipper to second. <laughs> hey, so you know what? Yeah, if we do run into field, a situation, yeah. yeah, if we do run into a situation where I need to move outfielders, I'm going to do it. I moved on the Yankees. I moved Joe DiMaggio to left because I had Mickey in center and, and Babe Ruth in right, and I didn't have an obvious left fielder, so I just moved DiMaggio to left. I'm trying – so pitching, it would be Bob Gibson. Bob would be, Gibson's the ace. Yeah, is the ace. How many starters are you going on each team? Four. Would we get to Wainwright, Carpenter? We might. Oof. I'm just going to have to look poor through it. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, John Tudor might be in there. What I'm thinking your toughest, when you look at the closers the Cardinals have had over the years, they have had – a lot of good closers, but nobody that really, yeah, but they all yeah. had really short stints there. Like Izzy has 300 saves, but Izzy also moved on from the car. I mean, he had a, he had a lot of those saves there. Lee Smith was a closer with, with the Cardinals. You look at, you know, someone like Trevor Rosenthal, his few seasons that he was the closer for the Cardinals. I think that's where, that's where your research or that's where a lot of your uh, your, your uh, where you're really going to have to start to nitpick to find out that one guy is, I think, that closer position or, for the Cardinals. Or what if I just decided to bump Wainwright to closer? Right. The guy closed out a World Series. So if I have, uh, you know, other options in the rotation. Or Suter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's probably going to have to be Suter, though. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I'm, I'm going to do okay. it tonight. Okay, uh, uh, you uh, you you text me when you're doing those, and we'll uh, <laughs> we'll we'll go through that. I got hey, I got plenty of time on my hands. I'm yeah. Uh, right now, I am at the point of the quarantine where I am. I have started to watch Ozarks, so I have just started. Oh man, that. Ozarks, awesome! I think I'm on episode seven or eight right now of season one. Season three, season three is the best season so far. So it's is it's, it? it's gonna get better. Yeah. I have so uh, I have not seen any spoilers on anything that's happened in any of the seasons. The extent of what I do is I'll sit there and I'll be on my phone while I'm watching it because there's a lot of characters that I'll have to look up and I have to kind of figure out, okay, who's this person or what's their backstory in case I missed it. But I have done a good job so far of not seeing any kind of spoilers. But so far, what, six, seven episodes into it. I uh, this is very similar. It feels like to Breaking Bad, right? 
Somewhat, somewhat. Yeah. Okay, that's. Yeah. I'm getting a very, I'm getting a very good uh, Breaking Bad type of vibe from. And, and uh, Ruth, from this. Ruth, uh, Ruth is an all-time great character. I enjoy her already. Yeah, I really, <laughs> I awesome. really like Ruth so far. So hopefully that just. So it's. I mean, is from Marty to Ruth is that? So that's pretty much Walter White to Jesse. Um. I yeah. I I could. Yeah, I can get on board with that somewhat. I mean, though he didn't like learn the game. He he already was doing it before he went there. True. Right, because Walt Walt kind of learned the game from Jesse, but he also cooked on his own. Yeah. Um, he didn't take any of Jesse's advice. But yeah, you can. There's there's something there that's not a a terrible comparison. And, I, and so far, I mean, for the first few episodes, I don't think Jesse tried to murder Walter White or plotted <laughs> to kill him as much as Ruth has already in the first season of Ozark. It took us a little bit to get there. there <laughs> in six or seven episodes in, we were still in the, yeah, Mr. White, yeah, science. <laughs> so, yeah, I, but I, I'll, I'm looking forward to doing that. I mean, I've already done Tiger King. I can't do The Office or Friends or anything like that anymore. So I've moved on to... See what, you know, see what all these people have been talking about for the past uh, past few years. So, OK, here we sit. As I said, it's the beginning of April. We have no baseball. When do you we, we've heard the ideas that MLB has come out with. When do you see baseball coming back right now? My my optimistic point of view, and this is probably going to sound bad. My optimistic hope is. June spring training with no fans, July 1st, or if we want to be all patriotic, July 4th of July kickoff, uh, early July start, um, bump the playoffs back by two weeks just so we can get a, maybe 81 game season. So half, so we have a good context with an 81 game season. Everybody cares about history so much. With an 81 game season, you just have everything or, or double anything. So if a guy hit 20 homers, you can say it was like he had a 40 homer season, something okay. like that. And, and, you know, if a team won 45 games, that's like a 91 team. We have a good grasp on what a full season might have looked like through 81 games. And uh, and then I think you have to do the two weeks into November on the playoffs, which means I do think we have to do neutral site World Series. I think San Diego is the best spot for it, but it sounds like, Major League Baseball is going to have to say to Dodger Stadium, we're sorry, we have to take the All-Star game away from you, but we'll give you the World Series uh, to kind of compensate for that. Yeah. Um, I, I hate the idea of that because – have you ever been to Dodger Stadium? I haven't, and I was looking for – oh, my – I was looking forward to it. That's what's that's what's killing me the most right now is I was already set on doing Dodger Stadium that – and I was also planning on going to the Cardinals Blue Jays series up in Toronto. I've never been to Toronto oh, either. So okay, those so two are hitting me hard. Here's the deal with Dodger Stadium. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. If you get up, if you enter behind home plate, the stadium is built that so the the behind home plate is like a big hill. So if you open if you walk in behind home plate on what feels like the ground level, you're at the very top of the stadium looking okay. down. But and you're looking over and you've seen the camera shots yes. of how you can kind of see the mountains in the background and everything because you go down the hill to go around. Uh, but but also what you see is nothing but parking lot. <laughs> there are two entrances and exits. There's 60,000 seats. There's no public transportation there. So it is absolute hell to get in and out. 
which is why I don't make fun of Dodgers fans anymore for being late arriving or early leaving. It's because it is absolute hell to get in and out of there. That's why I don't like the idea of seven World Series games being there, because I tell you from the experience of these last few years, I would never complain about being at the World Series. But I could do without it being at Dodger Stadium. I'll just phrase it that way. And if the Dodgers, say the World Series would be there as a neutral site stadium, if the Dodgers aren't in the World Series, which, by the way, they should be with the team that they've built this year, they should definitely be be in there. But they should have already won it. Yeah, and (laughs) if they're... If the Dodgers aren't in the World Series, 50,000 people probably aren't going to the game, right? Yeah, they, they if the Dodgers are not, that's another problem I brought up. I actually did uh, neutral site World Series rankings, and I had Dodger Stadium at like eight or nine because of the logistics of it. But also what you just said there, if the Dodgers are not in the World Series and there's neutral site games there, Major League Baseball's got a problem, PR problem, because they're going to have, I, I'm sure game one, might fill up if there was a game seven i'm sure that would fill up but if you're looking at game three when it's one to one you're running the risk of an awful lot of empty seats being on camera and that's not a good look yeah and i mean you can get by with it being that neutral sites thing that you know that you know the teams aren't here they didn't have it's not like the super bowl where you have two weeks to get there between yes. games, you know, and this is an impromptu one year thing that you're doing. But can you see something like the neutral site World Series becoming more uh, something that they end up trying to do in the future? Maybe shorten it to a three game series and put that much emphasis on your top pitchers in those three games and make it that winner take all type of uh, shorter series. I just I can't see it. I don't think that we're even close to having an appetite for anything like that as a baseball fan base. Um, maybe decades down the line, um, if they decide, like, look, the younger audience just isn't buying this. They don't want to stick around for four hours for seven games. I could see it heading down that road, but that just drastically alters what baseball has been throughout its existence. Speaking of drastically altering, one of the I, I you know have been kind of brainstorming with some of my own ideas of how a 2020 season could work shortened, and it's kind of eliminating the divisions and the leagues as we know it for one year, and making the teams kind of having four divisions of teams that are close together, they play each other, less travel, all in the same time zone, which would eliminate something like pitchers hitting which would give universal dhs which i think is coming after the next labor talks anyway but you know kind of speed that up for one year do you see any other kind of one year rules being put in place just for this season yeah uh one thing i talked about actually did a post on it is if we're um squeezing the season in basically that's going to eliminate off days and they're talking about maybe seven inning double headers or something that causes the need for more depth on the roster. So you might need a 32-man roster instead of a 26 or something like that. And to further that point, you know what we can't have? Marathon extra inning games where you empty the entire bullpen and everybody's exhausted for, let's say, a doubleheader the next day. You go 18 innings and you have a doubleheader the next day. Then you have to shuttle a bunch of people back and forth from the minors. Then let's say that those seven-inning doubleheaders both go to extra innings. That's a problem. So they have to think about ties maybe not after nine maybe after 10 maybe after 11 or my other suggestion was 
not just put a man on second because then you might have a lot of times where both teams just score one run or both teams score none. And then you go to the next inning, load the bases for both teams. Um, then you have a high probability that both teams are going to put up a crooked number. And with both teams putting up a crooked number, the odds go up that it's a different crooked number. Yeah, I, I, God, the, the idea of seven inning games, I, I hate that so much. Yep, but we all, I mean, we're all going to hate whatever we get. I already hate that we're not playing, you know? Right. I, I would, I mean, if you could say there's going to be just a 50-game regular season, I could manage that. If you tell me it's seven inning games instead of nine inning games, that bothers me. I, I don't know why that bothers me. Well, no, me I said more, like but... double headers where they oh, play oh, seven I know. both, like college. I know, yeah. I don't like, the, yeah, that's the yeah. part that I just, that that one I really can't uh, can't get over. So the Arizona idea, do you... Do you so what issues do you see with that? What problems would they run into? How likely of a scenario is that? Oh, okay, no, I think it's completely unlikely. Now, even factoring in Chase Field, that adds a ballpark. They still don't have 15 ballparks, so you could never have every single team playing at the same time. Um, I, I suppose you could say there's a day game and then all the teams leave, and then there's a night game at some places. But and it's in the middle of the summer in Arizona. You're making a play during the day. Uh, it's going to be 110, 115 degrees. The guys are going to have to have water bottles on the field so they can stay hydrated and don't pass out. Uh, if you say all night games, now we're starting games at 10 o'clock Eastern time uh, all over the place. So I, I, I'm just not seeing it. I, my hunch is this is the way Manfred operates, other than poorly, is he leaks ideas to the press and then sees how everybody reacts to them. So he saw what a bad reaction, for example, he got about his punishment for the Astros. That is why, in my opinion, he's dragging his feet on punishing the Red Sox because he's trying to figure out what it can do to make people happy. I think this is him floating an idea and seeing how everybody reacts to it. And most people are saying it's a terrible idea. And so it's not going to happen. Interesting. Yeah, I, I and yeah, it's. I, I could see the idea of yeah the afternoon games. I hadn't thought about that, but the idea of two games at one stadium per day that that I had kind of figured would happen, but I didn't realize that yeah the water bottles on the field and that that's that is pretty extreme. I mean, think about if you have a, a long inning. I, I mean, my my dad lives in Arizona, and, and he said if you golf in the middle of summer, you can do it because there's no no humidity. It just feels really hot on your skin, but it's not stuffy like if you're in Miami in July, which is just hideous. Um, but he's like, since you're not sweating so much, you don't realize when you start to get dehydrated, he's like, it, basically, if you golf, you have to say, I'm going to drink a bottle of water for every hole in, in order to stay correctly hydrated. So picture a, a, a marathon inning where, where the offense is just pummeling the pitcher. You're out there for 15, 20 minutes without a drink of water. Guys are going to yeah. get dehydrated. Oh, man. Well, hopefully the next time you and I chat, uh, we'll have an idea of when baseball is going to start. It seems like all of these sports leagues are trying to uh, trying to put together some sort of plan to get something back on the field or something back on the TV for uh, for people to watch and kind of pass the time as many of us are sitting at home looking for uh, looking for things to do. Yeah. And what's annoying is I've long completely separated worlds of sports and politics but right now we're basically waiting on the the politics aspect of it which is not to say the virus is political but we're waiting on like when can the economy reopen that's what we're waiting on 
Yeah. So it's it's uh it's it's beyond frustrating from so many different points of view. Absolutely. That's Matt Snyder. CBS Sports is where you can find him. I'll uh, be sure to retweet the uh, link and uh, give you probably a lot of trouble about some of the decisions you make on that old Cardinal <laughs> team. <laughs> That's Coming good, up man. With, I, like uh, with... I, I, I like discussing it positive or negative. Yeah, and you know what I probably the one that I am also looking forward to and that we're we're not going to talk about in depth on St. Louis uh, over the air in St. Louis is your all White Sox team. That's the one that I'll uh, I'll probably be texting That's you done. input on that too. That's done. All right, yeah. you, you all right, you need I to can text send you the, Yeah, send it's me It's not uh, published. It's not published, but I have it done and it's going to be sometime next week when it's going to go live, but I right. can text you the lineup. Yes, text me the lineup, and that way I can. Uh, it, it'll give us something to uh, have conversations about, and it'll keep me off the Xbox for a little more because I have so many teams and organizations that I'm trying to run there that sometimes I just need to take a step back and let the uh, players breathe. Hey, you've got uh, Frank Thomas and Paulie Canerco hitting three four. So okay, I, that's that's <laughs> fine. With me. Did Bo Jackson make the All White Sox team? No, uh, but I did on the Royals. I ended up leaving off like Willie Wilson and a couple other of the best in the franchise. And I was like, oh, wait, I have one more bench spot. We'll just call him Bo. That's the closing line on the Royals. <laughs> I was like, dude, I've got to have Bo Jackson in a video game. Yes, absolutely. All right, Matt, we'll let you get back to work on those. Thank you so much for joining me. All right, man. Have a good one. Weekend Joe, now exclusively on ClavesOnline.com, is driven by Munganess St. Louis Acura. It's also sponsored by the Inskip Law Firm. Hey, right now in these uh, trying times, don't hesitate to call the Inskip Law Firm for any of your estate planning, wills, trusts, or power of attorney issues that you might have. Corey Inskip at the Inskip Law Firm can help with all of that. And he can even help with traffic matters or criminal matters, for that uh, for that matter. They are committed to your satisfaction at the Inskip Law Firm. That's I-N-S-K-I-P, the Inskip Law Firm. Corey Inskip, my guy. Plenty of ways to get in touch with him, whether it's by phone, email, social media. Corey Inskip will get back in touch with you if you give him a call or hit him up today. That's the Inskip Law Firm. And remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertising. And we're back here on Weekend Joe, now exclusively on ClabesOnline.com. We have uh, driven by uh, Munganess St. Louis Acura, our title sponsor here of the radio program. And, well, we've talked about everything going on in the world of sports, with golf, with baseball, and the ever-changing landscape there. So I figure, why not talk about the ever-changing landscape in the world of wrestling, and who better than the podfather, uh, the man that does nothing but records podcasts and sells mortgages he's conrad thompson what's going on conrad how are you i'm good dude how are you i'm doing well uh just trying to not be bored uh every day that's that's kind of the uh and i think that goes for a lot of people just trying to find stuff to do to pass the time while jobs are currently on hiatus and uh many other things are kind of put on hold in life right now yeah, it's uh, it's been fun having a, a distraction for uh, professional wrestling lately. You know, I I think a lot of people were probably critical of the decision for them to keep putting shows on, but I got to tell you, I was so thankful last Sunday night that WrestleMania still happened just for a little while, and we all had a, a pretty fun distraction. So 
I'm glad that there's something when it feels like there's literally nothing else. Yeah, it didn't feel like WrestleMania. It felt like just having something to watch on TV on the weekend that wasn't something from the 80s or 90s. Yeah, but you know what? That was enough. You know, I feel like a lot of us at that point had started to develop a little bit of cabin fever, and uh, we're just bored, to to your point, and uh, going a little maybe stir-crazy. So having a fun distraction, you know, Saturday and Sunday night, I I was very thankful to have it. Now you do you do a podcast. You have one that comes out every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Five different wrestling personalities. What what has been kind of the general consensus of of the people that you talk to? Because uh, you know you do the podcast with people that work with WWE, that work in AEW, that it, you have a lot of different thoughts and uh, uh, different uh, I guess angles that these people are coming from. Well, I mean, I think everybody is just trying to make the best of a bad situation. You know, that sounds really cliche, but I don't know that there's a, a right or wrong answer here. I, I for one, am glad they, they found a way to continue to crank out content. I, uh, I'm curious to see how that continues to happen with WWE. Maybe they're going to put a bunch in the can like AEW has. But I do feel like it's made the guys sort of rethink their approach to television and rethink their approach to pro wrestling as a whole. You know, we saw great examples of that at WrestleMania with the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match, a more cinematic approach to wrestling. And Eric Bischoff fell so in love with it. He thought it was the future of pro wrestling and maybe a glimpse into the future. And that's a big departure for the WWE. But fans seem to have embraced it. I think it's probably one of those deals where it'll, you know, have diminishing returns if they try to overuse it. It does feel like when something gets popular or hot in wrestling, they just beat it until it's not, and they drive it in the ground. But we'll see. You know, I, I did also want to give a, a shout-out to AEW. I thought they did a phenomenal job this past weekend uh, getting the guy who used to voice over the uh, HBO and Showtime sort of countdown boxing pay-per-view shows to build a story around Jake Hager and John Moxley and not just have it be a promo in the ring, but let's go to them and let's show them training and let's show them – putting in the work, much like you would build a UFC or a boxing match where you're sort of showing the guys in quote-unquote camp. I thought that really did a lot for Jake Hager. And I'm excited to see, you know, what what they continue to do to sort of fill time and and tell stories in a non-traditional way. Yeah, I think my the, the the favorite my favorite thing that I've seen so far out of the creativity, and this was before I guess the Firefly Funhouse and the Boneyard match. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Was the way AEW used Matt Hardy to kind of teleport around the arena because that's not something you can do with a an arena full of fans. They utilized the fact that they had an empty arena that they were able to pre-record something, and they made it you know they they made it look. Uh, they made it fit his character, I should say. Well, I think they took a little bit of grief over that, but I did like the explanation sort of after the fact where they said, well, no, it wasn't him teleporting. It was actually just um, a hologram or a projected image from uh, the drone. And, and and I guess that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that a lot of wrestling fans really have trouble with the idea of teleportation, and I understand they want to get lost in the realism of it, but at the same time, we've sort of had to negotiate that a little bit anyway when The Undertaker was summoning lightning for the last three decades. <laughs> yeah, or how many times has somebody been buried alive or put in a cement mixer and they're back on TV a few months later? Well, also, too, you know, I hate to be JR here for a minute, but 
if I punched you in the face as hard as I could 10 times, it's probably going to hurt my hand and your face, and there'll be marks on both. And, and we have to sort of suspend disbelief that, okay, he got punched in the face 10 times, but nobody's bleeding, nobody's cut, no bones are broken, there's no scuffs, there's no scratches. And we find a way to, to navigate that. Where is the line? I don't know where the line is. I think it's one of those deals where if it's good, it's good. And a certain set of fans really loved the Matt Hardy, uh, Chris Jericho interaction. And, and another set really loved the uh, the Firefly Funhouse or the Boneyard match. But to the section who don't like it, I get it. Uh, I, I decided a long time ago that every segment on a wrestling show isn't for me. And I think that's the beauty of wrestling. I think Dusty Rhodes did a shoot interview probably 25 years ago where he said, you know, the, a perfect wrestling card is like the circus. You've got something for everybody. You've got trapeze artists. You've got clowns. You've got jugglers. You've got a lion tamer. Everybody's got something different, and that's the way you build a, a wrestling card. And I think that's what they're trying to do. You know, if you're into high-flying action or if you're into hard-hitting action or if you're into the lightweights or you're into the heavyweights or you're into the women or maybe you're into the more cinematic a supernatural approach uh, there's something for everybody and and i think that's uh what makes wrestling great what's uh I, I was gonna i was about to plug all of the podcasts that you do what is the best website to find all five of them or do they each have their own five before i get into that yeah if you just follow me on twitter and most everybody's yeah. on twitter these days it's uh, hey hey it's conrad i've got all the accounts linked in my description or you could just go to SaveWithConrad.com. That's my real job. I help people with their mortgage needs and home loan needs. But there's a podcast tab there, and it's got all five. It's 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff on Monday, Arn with Arn Anderson on Tuesday, What Happened When with Tony Schiavone on Wednesday, of course, Grill and JR with Jim Ross on Thursday, and then our main event every Friday, it's something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. When do you find? I mean, I really, when do you find time to do all? Because I feel like I do a, quite a bit of work, whether it's in St. Louis radio or whether it's other things. Where do you find th the time to do all these podcasts? Well, from the minute I wake up until I go to bed, I'm working on something, and uh, that—that's not me crying foul. I really enjoy my work. You know, I enjoy my day job of helping people get into house and you know eliminate their debt and retire on time and, and all that stuff. But the fun escape is, you know, talking about wrestling with my friends. And so usually I, I try to load up the weekends, you know, sort of pre-corona. I would tape uh, Eric Bischoff and Tony Schiavone on, on one day, and then I would tape Arn and JR the other uh, on a Saturday, Sunday. And then I would just try to fit in Bruce whenever he had time. But now, since everybody's sort of been self-quarantining, uh, it's become a little easier. And, and we've been able to crank out a lot of bonus content, and we've started to uh, – actually drop extra shows. So instead of just trying to keep up with the regular five, we're cranking out pretty considerable bonus content at adfreeshows.com. Yeah, that's it's uh, incredible to uh, think about the schedule that you work doing all of these. And it's uh, it's a testament to how hard you uh, how much uh, you, you love doing what you do with these uh, with these podcasts. You've been doing the one with Bruce now. Are we going on what, four or five years yeah, we started in August of 2016, and uh, coincidentally, the, the day the first episode dropped is the day I had my first date with my now wife, Megan, and uh, two of the, the coolest and most important things in the history of my life happened on the same day. So it's been it's been a fun journey, and who would have ever guessed when we started that, and he was so far removed from the wrestling business, he couldn't even imagine being further out, and now he's deeper than maybe he ever was. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, what? Just, he just got done producing. Uh, what what matches was he? What did he work with at WrestleMania? Uh, I probably shouldn't say. Okay, that's fine. I I, <laughs> I understand that. So with uh, I mean, then you have the other ones, the other three that you well, we're, we'll talk Bischoff later, but the other three you do with those guys all involved in AEW. How has that been? Just seeing the evolution of that company because we we see that company that just started up what two years ago i mean you want to if you want to put a i guess a year and a half ago with all in and now they're now they're on tv every week they're running a few shows every year i mean we just saw the xfl friday morning fold they had to cease operations and it's kind of a an issue where we're seeing some of the you know we're, we're, what sports we're seeing suffer the most from this and we're talking wrestling here as how are they dealing with being a new company dealing with with everything going on in the world right now you know i'll be honest i I know a lot of people probably assume that that i talk to tony Khan or cody Rhodes every day about what's going on behind the scenes but i really don't you know i'm not involved in their business i do have a a very friendly relationship and i consider both of those guys great friends and of course i'm super tight with jr and arn and tony but I think everybody on my side, you know, the podcast world, they're just taking it day by day. You know, at, at JR's advanced age, he's made the decision, or maybe it was made for him, I'm not sure, that he just needs to sit this one out until things settle down a little bit. And that's probably hard for JR to be on the sidelines. He wants to be on the field, but this is a unique situation. And uh, they, they taped a lot of TV in advance for AEW in a, an undisclosed location in the suburbs of Atlanta. And that's not too terribly far from where the production staff for AEW is based out of, as well as, you know, Cody and so many other performers. But most importantly, Tony Schiavone, who was the voice of our childhood and the late addition to the AEW commentary team. And uh, he's fit right in there as sort of the third man in the booth. But now he finds himself in the driver's seat, which is probably a lot of pressure, but very familiar for him to be the lead voice on a live wrestling show on, on TNT. So they tried something new. And I think uh, Chris Jericho deserves a lot of credit for stepping up and and offering to do that because most talent that was a fly-in was not attending, whether it was uh, folks in the New York area, but I don't think AEW uh, thought it was advisable to have them participate, or, you know, the the Jacksons, the Young Bucks, two of the main events, the main attractions, probably wasn't wise for them with small children to fly across country from California to get that done, so... I believe Jericho may have chartered his own jet and said, you know what, let's go make this happen. And he stepped up, and I think the result was really, really good chemistry, and it it, it led for unique and fun shows. But also it shows you why Jericho is a top guy. He found a way to keep himself uh, in a good situation. You know, there's going to be a lot of guys who are not featured on TV for the next four to six weeks now just because of this pandemic. No fault of their own. Not to say that they're losing, as JR would say, they're push. But it's just the circumstance, and, and, and Jericho saw this negative as perhaps an opportunity, and, and I think people are going to be thankful because of it. Do you think uh, Chris Jericho is underappreciated when it comes to all-time great wrestlers? Yeah, but I think that's true for everyone in this era. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people would consider John Cena to be on that list. I feel like we have a lot of Mount Rushmore conversations, and John Cena's never on it. Uh, but when you really look at his body of work, I think you can put it up against most everyone else that you would put on that list. And that's hard for a lot of older fans because they say, oh, well, he was no Hogan or he was no Flair or he was no Rock or he was no Austin. Well, says who? Says you because that's what you grew up on and that's what you remember the most. But, 
you know, um, there's a whole generation of young people who look at John Cena the way we did, you know, folks mine in your age, Hulk Hogan. And so he is their Hulk Hogan, and it's that big of a deal. And it's just not, you know, the way we see things because it's not in our age group or our demographic. So I get that. But I think there's maybe no better example of somebody sort of being overlooked than Michael Cole. You know, Michael Cole was in the unenviable position of trying to fill JR's shoes, and most would agree that JR is the greatest announcer that ever lived. So to make a, a sports analysis or comparison here, he was our Joe Montana. Uh, but mm-hmm. along comes Steve Young, and it doesn't matter how many Super Bowls he wins, he's still no Joe Montana. And, and I think it's one of those rose-colored glasses type situations. Because you look at the stats, you look at the facts, you look at the figures, Michael Cole has, has, has been around for a long, long time and called a lot of really critical, important moments. But we didn't grow up with him, so... He's not our favorite, and, and that's an unfortunate situation. And I think Jericho suffers from some of that. But when it's all said and done, the way he's continued to reinvent himself and really rolled the dice in a major way with AEW, uh, he's going to be remembered as you know what what Hulk Hogan was to WCW. This is a modern day equivalent, Chris Jericho to AEW. Conrad Thompson, our guest here on Weekend Joe, driven by uh, Munganas St. Louis Acura. Uh, the the Boneyard match, the Firefly Funhouse match, we talked about how those were two things that we've really never seen the likes of before at WrestleMania, where they had to get creative with how they uh, went about doing those. And you, you said you, you could see us doing or seeing that in the future. Eric Bischoff thinks it might be the future of wrestling. Uh, your your takeaway from those two, is there one that you enjoyed more than the other? Well, I'll tell you, when I first watched it, I didn't know what to expect with the Boneyard match. I thought it would be a return to the more hokey, silly presentation that we saw maybe when The Undertaker first debuted and he was digging holes with Paul Bearer. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, What we came out with, though, I thought exceeded all expectations. It was a hybrid of the more supernatural version of The Undertaker and The American Badass. And they used some creative license in there to tell a phenomenal story and add some realism and Adding the musical aspect to it, I think, gave it a soundtrack to make it feel like a movie. And, you know, if, if we hype it up enough, maybe fans will go look at it and say, oh, that wasn't that great. But no one really knew where to sort of set their expectations. And I think because it was such a unique circumstance, fans weren't prepared to be impressed. And, and the result was uh, they were wildly impressed. And I thought, you know, the Firefly Funhouse match was going to be a similar thing. And I thought, man, they've got their work cut out if they want to follow it. And I enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly, the little kid in me got really excited when they did the Saturday Night's main event open and it made me 10 years old again. But it wasn't until uh, I read an Uproxx article the next day that broke down frame by frame all the nuanced storytelling and all the little Easter eggs in the Firefly Funhouse match that I really appreciated how layered the story was and how deep they went. So if, if you've seen the match, but maybe you just thought it was silly, I, I can't recommend that Uproxx article enough. I think it will give you a lot of context to what you saw and make you realize that it was pretty, pretty remarkable. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm the same way with that, where I am. I'm a huge mark for The Undertaker. I, I admit that. And it wasn't until after I read the article about the Firefly Funhouse match that I looked back and I was like, damn, that. That went a whole. That went a lot deeper than uh, than I think a lot of people realized when they were watching it at the time. Yeah, there's some real masterminds behind it. You know, Bray Wyatt deserves all the credit in the world for <laughs> developing such a complex character with the original Bray Wyatt persona, 
and now you've really turned the volume up with the fiend and you know there's lots of rumor and innuendo about who's been the creative force behind that and that's probably not for us to discuss but now when you slide john cena in the mix and he's got his creative juices flowing because he has been away for a little while and this is something that's a new challenge for him that's not really paint by numbers because a lot of John Cena stuff has been, hey, man, let's play the hits and, and let's do what works. And they tried something new here and they took a risk. And I think it really, really paid off. And I can't wait to see what's next. You know, I hope that I hope that SummerSlam is more back to normal. But I also hope that we get chapter two or chapter three or whatever chapter we are, just more to the story of John Cena and The Fiend. You can find him on Twitter at Hey, Hey, It's Conrad. And you can also uh, find him at SaveWithConrad.com, as we mentioned, weekly podcasts with names like Bruce Pritchard, Tony Schiavone, Eric Bischoff, Arn Anderson, and Jim Ross. One comes out each and every weekday. He's been doing it for years, and uh, I imagine with all the content that you have in the world of professional wrestling, there's probably no end in sight with, uh, with all these. Yeah, it's fun, man. You know, I normally map out a month or two ahead for our shows just so we can start getting graphics ready and our sales department ready and some of our research gurus to help out. But because we've all sort of been self-quarantined, I managed to map out the rest of 2020. So instead of being, you know, two months ahead, I'm eight months ahead now. And it's pretty cool to see the full lineup and the full layout of what we've got coming. And I think this is going to be the best year we've ever had. That's uh, I'm I'm excited to see what uh, what things you have covered that you'll be covering over the next uh, few months, Conrad. I appreciate the time today. Tell Dave Green I said hello, uh, and when next time you uh, you speak with him too, I'll do it. He's uh, he's back in your neck of the woods these days, but he's probably hiding out like everybody else. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. That's Conrad Thompson. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. You're listening to Weekend Joe now on ClabesOnline.com, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, also sponsored by the Collinsville Auto Body. Collinsville Auto Body, 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Sponsor of, uh, well, my many shows on many different platforms for about 10 years now. Collinsville Auto Body, they'll work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast. That's 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Collinsville, Collinsville Auto Body. Final segment here of Weekend Joe. Joe Roderick, Andy Hanselman here with you, driven by St. Louis, uh, Munganass, St. Louis Acura. I don't know why I keep switching those words around. It is Munganass, St. Louis Acura, the title sponsor here of Weekend Joe. They have been serving the St. Louis area since 1986. Precision Team Award winner 28 times more than any other Acura dealership in the United States on Manchester Road, 13720 Manchester Road in St. Louis. Uh, so you heard interviews there from Mike Claybor, Jay Jr., Matt Snyder, Conrad Thompson, and Andy. We are still going to uh, we're still going to keep crack slippers here as a uh, as a segment of the of the show, even It'll though never die. it's It'll no. Never die. Nope, just like uh, just like me, it's the cockroach of St. Louis sports talk radio. Right. It's just yeah, doesn't not does not go away. I said it uh, I said it a few months ago is when I came up with that moniker, and it's still sticking today, as you can hear us exclusively now on ClabesOnline.com. We'll post a, a new episode each and every Saturday, along with all of the other content that we have available to you 
right here on ClavesOnline.com. So, Andy, I will throw it to you to give me the intro for Crack Slippers. Some stories just aren't meant to hit the mainstream news. We picked those stories up here on Crack Slippers. Oh, wait. Nope. That's oh, you had it. You had it. You had nope, it. Oh, nope, you were going. Up. Some oh. stories just aren't meant to hit the mainstream news. We picked those stories up here on Weekend Joe. These are the Crack Slippers with Joe Roderick on ClavesOnline.com. Okay. Okay. I, I, I thought you had it right the first time. That's, oh, my screw uh, That's my bad. Hey, how is this? You sign a contract for two years, $50 million. Yeah. And then you go and you sign a contract for your job after those two years are over that you've already you already know what your plans are after that. That's a pretty good life, right? I didn't hear what he did. That's Drew Brees. We're talking about Drew Brees. Oh, they're talking about Tom Brady. No, 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 no. Drew Brees also signed a two-year, $50 million deal with the Saints to pretty much end his career in New Orleans, where he has built his Hall of Fame career. Well, I I guess after ESPN failed to sign Peyton Manning for Monday Night Football, they started to go after Drew Brees. NBC Sports came in. And signed Drew Brees to an offer competing, or I guess, uh, which is similar to what ESPN was trying to sign him for. So once Drew Brees retires from the game of football, he will be on NBC Sports on their football broadcast, being groomed as the potential replacement for Chris Collinsworth on Sunday Night Football, along with this. So get this. So not only will he be doing that, he'll be a studio analyst for Football Night in America. And then how do you think? Just you, this is, uh, when I read this, I did a double take. Drew Brees, when he retires, is going to partner with Mike Tirico, who is going to be replacing Al Michaels after the 2022 Super Bowl. Mike Tirico and Drew Brees will be calling Notre Dame football games. Really? Drew Brees went to Purdue. Yeah. Right down the street from Notre Dame. Yeah, I do not think that Notre Dame fans will be happy about that, right? They're not going to like that. I mean, Doug Flutie already did some work with Notre Dame games, and he was a Boston College guy. Right. Is there nobody that – is there no Notre Dame alum that they can get for any of these? They really can't pay Joe Montana enough money to come sit in the – to come to Notre Dame games? I mean, does Joe Montana – would he be good calling games? I don't know. But it's Joe Montana. I mean, one of the Quadri Ishmael or Rocket Ishmael, one of those guys. I mean, I know they do media, right. but you think that you could find somebody that went to Notre Dame to do these uh, to do these games. But no, Drew Brees is going to be doing that. And then they're they're not sure again. I mean, this is he might have one or two years left in the NFL before we even get to that point. But Drew Brees is already signed a deal to work with NBC sports. So they're going to, so they're going to do the Notre, the Notre Dame games on Saturday and then go to an NFL game on Sunday. I think what, I think that's going to be where they start him. I don't think he's immediately going to do that. I think the plan in place is to maybe be a third guy in the booth with Chris Collinsworth after he gets a few games under his belt, or maybe to just kind of see what that's like working with Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels or Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tirico. And then when Chris Collinsworth, because Chris Collinsworth has been doing this for a long time too. And there's, there's no rumors out there that Chris Collinsworth is planning to retire anytime soon. So a, a very well, could be a three-man booth that they do and when chris collinsworth decides that he doesn't want to fly somewhere new every week 
then maybe Chris Collinsworth calls it quits and he moves to just a studio job or, or something. So along those th- same lines was I mean, was Phil Sims slated to retire or one or one out of the booth when when uh, Tony Romo came in with Jim Nance as the I, number one broadcast team on CBS? So I believe they they were kind of working on moving Phil Sims out. So I think there was some talk of Phil Sims maybe moving to the studio anyway. So I, I do yeah. think that was maybe more planned than people might think. So that's I, I just I, I like that the Drew Brees is nowhere near retiring yet. One to two years away, just signed a huge deal, but has already signed on with NBC uh, NBC Sports. And then we didn't talk about this in the opening segment, but starting this week, the Major League Baseball players. Uh, the Players Association and MLB have put together an MLB The Show Players League, which will be all will have 30 players from one from each team playing MLB The Show against each other. They're going to every everybody is going to play 29 games. <clears throat> the top eight teams will go into the playoffs and play each other there. Money going towards charity for uh, for this. I got to tell you, though, Andy, I'm a little upset with this. I don't like this. Um, because they're only playing three inning games. What? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're only playing three inning games. So that way they can play multiple games at once and they can, uh, they can get going and get this, uh, season underway in, I I guess it's set to begin April 30th. They want it to be done by the end of May, if not sooner. So, yeah, the division and championship series will be best of three. The World Series will be best of five. 29 games, top eight players advance to the postseason, which are set to begin on April 30th. So it's going to start, I should say, it's going to start this week. It's going to end on April 30th. Um, so that's, they're going to show, I mean, they're going to show them on the MLB network. So they will be actually streaming these games uh, on, or I guess on the individual online stream for all these games. So it'll give you something to watch. The Cardinals have Matt Carpenter as their representative for this, which also surprised me. I didn't know Matt Carpenter was a big video game guy. I didn't either. Yeah, I thought maybe you'd go with somebody like a – I feel like Colton Wong would be big into video games. I wonder if Matt Carpenter will ground down in his video game as much as he does in real life. Well, this is – so this is funny. The uh, representative for the Angels – is Ty Buttry. He is a uh, he is a relief pitcher for the Angels. He has already come out and said that he will not use himself in the game because he is only a uh, 75 overall, and that's not good enough to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> so he yeah, so he's already come out and said that with uh, in regards to his talent level on the uh, on the game there so it's something to watch something to have on it's baseball you'll get these players talking talking trash to each other it'll be it'll be fun to watch it'll be it'll be pretty fun to watch it should be fun to watch yeah so that's what we uh that's what we have for your crack slippers for today's show andy first show on clabesonline.com is in the books I think we did a decent job uh, trying to entertain the uh, entertain the, uh, the the web. I guess now it's not just entertaining a city; it's entertaining the web here on ClavesOnline.com. So for everybody involved in the show, we thank them for that for getting it up, and for all of you for listening. We'll be back next Saturday. Make sure to check out 
all of the content on ClabesOnline.com as we have this day in Cardinals history each and every day powered by Ameren, Illinois and driven by Munganath St. Louis Acura each and every day of the week there on ClabesOnline.com along with all of the interviews that Klaibs puts up there and all sorts of additional content that is going to keep growing there on ClabesOnline.com. Andy, have a, a great rest of your weekend, buddy. Happy Easter, Joe. Same to you. Talk to you guys all next week. Weekend Joe, driven by Munganath St. Louis Acura here on ClabesOnline.com, now the exclusive home of Weekend Joe. Hey, St. Louis Acura has received the Precision Team Award 28 times more than any other Acura dealership in the United States. They have been serving the St. Louis area since 19. 1986, located at 13720 Manchester Road in St. Louis. They are your premier realtor of new and used Acura vehicles in the nation. That is Munganath, St. Louis Acura, the title sponsor here of Weekend Joe, now on ClabesOnline.com.